BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Taylor Hart Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass. Here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the iRacers Download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Justin Prince, Taylor Burris, Richard Colbreth with you. Also joined alongside by Brian Britt this week as we get ready to discuss another busy week when it comes to iRacing. When it comes to this week in iRacing, some things starting to spring forward with the hype building up for the June build. As well, many drivers getting a little bit of the June bug moments, with drivers like Casey Kerwin showing success at Darlington and NASCAR. Lots to talk about and more this week, Taylor, especially when it comes to some of the racing action and when it comes to some of the content being talked about and teased about in the past couple of days in particular. Yeah, it's really been exciting to see some of the new content that was teased since the last time we were on the download. One thing was really a big happy surprise for me was the revving of a big, roaring, thunderous V8 as it was going through the city of Detroit, Justin. And a lot of people were wondering if, just maybe, a brand new prototype could be coming to play in the June build. I mean, I'll keep that comment as simple as what I said when I was asked the same question during the 24 Hours of Nürburgring on iRacing this past weekend. Some people are going to be very happy. That's the best way to describe that without giving away everything. But that should say there is an expectation this car is going to be popular when it comes out. I mean, personally, I thought briefly, I thought maybe it could have been some Trans Am cars, which would be a nice addition, I have to say. But given the fact of what we were thinking, we probably know what's coming in the June build. And we'll break it all down when that build comes out in a couple of weeks time. But not only that, once again, which car manufacturers are headquartered in Detroit? Better question, which car manufacturer is headquartered just shadowing over top the racetrack in Belle Isle and a certain new track in Detroit? Um, hey. That should answer it. <laughs> it certainly is. We look forward with anticipation to that brand new car, along with, of course, a couple of brand new contents we already do know about. Of course, Willow Springs and the LMP3 car coming to iRacing in the June build, along with a couple of other possibilities of some other tracks added on. So stay tuned for more regarding that. Another thing that they touched on too, Justin, was a brand new series idea that iRacing is planning to introduce. The Rigmatech Ringmeister series for the 2023 Season 3 season. And this is going to be interesting. It's taking one track but 12 different cars around said track. I mean, 
I want you to think of it this way. So many different leagues specialize in just the Nürburgring because of the racing community within Germany and as well. Sub-series really do race there a lot in the real world. And in turn, what do drivers get the chance to do? Well, they get the chance to race in the GT3s, in the GT4s, in the Hyundai Elantras, in the GR86s, some Ferrari GTs, some GT4s with the BMW logos on them, Honda Civics, how about the Ray FF1600, how about the GT3s for the Porsches, how about some Ashton Martins, how about some Clios, how about some more GT3s with the BMW logos. So... Again, remember, when it comes to the Nürburgring, the community very stellar there when it comes to bringing events there and as well having yearly events in some cases based out of Germany. So it's not a surprise, I think, to see iRacing say, you know what, let's increase that, that commitment bit more, allow people to go there throughout an entire season for a championship, test their ability in multiple different types of cars. It really is going to be exciting, and who knows what doors this could open up for a lot of drivers regarding this style of racing. I mean, this could open it up to where we could see it not just at the Nürburgring, but we could see it at tracks such as Spa, Le Mans, Daytona, and so many other assorted tracks if this new idea comes into fruition. And honestly, yeah. it could be really good. And Brian, let me get when after Justin's thought. Let's hear what your thoughts is regarding this new idea iRacing has. Yeah, and it's important to mention it was touched upon in terms of the briefing in months itself. This is a pilot program. This is not just about the Nürburgring of itself on top of things. On top of that stretch of the Nürburgring, it just so happens Nürburgring is one of the most common tracks to think of there. The thing is... They're looking, Brian, to try and see if they can switch the cars every week for a track rather than switch the track for a car every week. And this is a test run for this season if that can work. That's a really interesting concept. I mean, of course, you talk about how big the community is over there in Germany that, uh, you know, absolutely swear by the Nürburgring. I mean, I think that's really interesting. Uh, you know, th those guys are going to really be, be able to be serviced a lot more. And, and wow, just one track it, it almost reminds me of how like short track racing is how you have a track championship that's kind of what it, it brings to mind when i think about that i agree and that's the interesting part i think taylor is going to be the question what are tracks would be in consideration outside the nurburgring that is actually a very good one to ask at this point well, I mean, honestly, like you said, besides the Nürburgring, you could probably look at some of the big premier road courses and oval tracks. And then, like Brian said, you know, we see short tracks have track championships based on racing certain cars at the certain track. So we could see it across multiple different disciplines of tracks throughout the season. So time will tell. And honestly, they could switch it out each and every season with a different track style in order to see who could be the best at that track. You know what it actually thinks I'm thinking about here too? And Brian, if you're having the same thought I am, think for example of what's been utilized by Logic Geo with rather the uh, Logic McLaren G Challenge, for example, where you had three different types of, of events being done with the respective groupings. I can almost see it being similar to what we see with some series where they rotate the different cars and tracks so it allows you to not just be stuck to a certain car official. We're talking, we, I'm wondering if we eventually see this to where you have it where it rotates the car and track combos for a series consistently, week to week.
Yeah, it definitely would be interesting to see. I mean, I love that iRacing is starting to think outside of the box. I mean, you, they got to keep it fresh, of course, and uh, I can't wait to see what it looks like. I mean, uh, definitely, I, I kind of came into iRacing with a little bit more of a road course uh, passion. I've been kind of transitioned towards uh, the ovals, but I mean, that could be just the jump I think I need uh, in order to get back into road course racing a lot more. Most definitely. And speaking of the Nürburgring, over the weekend, Justin, the iRacing Nürburgring 24 kicked off, and it was an exciting one. And for the Mercedes drivers, the Mercedes-AMG Team Williams Esports took home the checkered flag with Velasio Belastias, Daniel Pastor, and Daniel LaFuente taking over the overall title and the GT3 category. And notable drivers who also were in the race, uh, Max Verstappen with T BMW Team Redline taking home third, Elvis Rankin taking home P4, and a lot of big heavy hitters and throughout the classes. Small field, I'd have to say, for some of the classes, especially in the GT3 and the GT3 Cup cars, where Shuro Esports Red took home the overall lead in the Porsche Cup class. I wouldn't say it was a small class, Taylor. I would say it was a small amount of drivers who made it to the checkered flag. Because in the first few hours, it was one of the more wilder races I think I've seen in terms of the Nürburgring. And the reason I say that is, normally you see a lot of crashes with those in the mid-to-backpack. But this year it felt different in that your leaders, in several instances, wrecked either trying to lap each other or wrecked battling for the race lead before we even got to the halfway mark. Like the GT3 class, Williams Esports had brought up a lot of controversy with some of the contact during that race with two different class leaders at one point. Still won by 15 seconds over Yorano. Keep in mind, Yorano was in the wall within the first five, six hours of that race and still finished in second in GT3. And then you have Team Redline in the midst of things who were dealing with chassis problems. It should be, it should be something where you have five, no, six drivers in your top class survive. And we're talking about a field that had 50 plus total teams in it. Most of them barely even made it to the halfway point, let alone to the checkered. It's absolutely incredible. And it just shows how difficult racing here at the Nürburgring really is and how treacherous it can be. Looking through the rest of the field, I mean, throughout all the classes, Pretty much, you have maybe half a dozen drivers, maybe at the most, finishing the races. I mean, the Porsche 911 GT3 Cup class, three drivers finished the race. In the GT4s, four drivers finished. In the TCR category, you had about six drivers. And in the Toyota class, four drivers finishing. Yeah, to reiterate once again, you said, sure, eSport, they picked up their investment with, investment with Phoenix, of course, one of the real world teams coming in. What's cooking racing adventures ended up at one point being in the lead and then being involved in crashes. PG, PGZ was once in the lead for the class crashed. They had a stretch in within an hour where they had three or four different leaders because everyone kept crashing. It was one of the weirdest endurance races I think I've ever called because of just how much the attrition hit the top of the field. It should even say something with the touring cars when it comes to Team Hoitzenveld. They seem to have one of the cleaner runs of the entire day, and even that seemed to be a little bit iffy at times with some of the various teams that had runs there. The one thing I will say for the GR86s, Astro Racing VGD, they were the only car to survive Taylor in the class. 
There was actually an inside joke that no one would make the checkered and it almost happened. It's absolutely crazy of how things worked out for these drivers to make it through and survive this race. But, uh, for, of course, these drivers are going to have a lot of work to do in order to get ready for their next big endurance race coming up, which, by looking over things, would be the six hours of the Glen, their next official time endurance race. Of course, the next special event is the Coca-Cola 600. Well, the Coke 600 is going to be very fun. I think Brian can step on in as well when it comes to the discussion. A lot of teams emphasizing the importance of making sure to survive 600 miles, 400 laps. But when it comes to the roadside, too, that is also, keep in mind, a part of the VCO grouping of races this year. Well, you talk about, you know, the road course like Nürburgring. I mean, going to Watkins Glen and Nürburgring are two completely different tracks. I mean, I think it takes just a, a special type of masochist in order to actually be able to be successful at a track like that, especially for a 24-hour period. I mean, that track, a lot of times with road course racing, it's all about memorization of the different corners. But, I mean, how do you keep all those corners in mind at the Nürburgring? I mean, that is such a huge racetrack. Yeah, it, that's the tough part about the Nürburgring. I think that really played into a lot of the attrition. I will say when it comes to the race, the Nürburgring, I will say a lot of teams probably thankful that the race is over based on the <laughs> fact of how many cars crashed in that race. It was like hot lava, but with race cars. That was my favorite comment from the viewers throughout the race. And that kind of was the antithesis of this year's Nürburgring 24. Yeah, I think a lot of that is going to be the same, though, with the uh, Coke 600 you talked about. I mean, of course, it's not a road course. It's an oval, but, I mean, it, it's 600 miles. You mentioned it, 400 laps. I mean, that is quite a daunting task in and of itself, and, and that race can go on for at least four hours. So I expect a lot of guys are going to have some problems there at Charlotte as well. But, I mean, it, it's one of the big crown jewel moments in uh, iRacing, I'd say. A lot of drivers are going to really want to tackle that and have that on as a badge and wear it proudly. It really is going to be exciting. Justin, a couple of other news to point out here before we take our commercial break, before we go and speak to our guest of the week. The NEM, NEEM, the Northern European Esports Masters, is launching a championship with iRacing Partnership as time attacks are being released right now for North, anyone in the European countries to compete in a time trial 2500 euros is up for grabs as four nations six rounds will battle each other for the chance of being one of the top drivers in northern europe and of course when it comes to that respective region of northern europe you're talking about some of the top sim racers in the world just so happen to be raced up into the Scandian scandinavian nations as well as the northern part of europe i think that competition is going to be stacked it really is. Currently, for those of you who want to compete, there is a time trial going on right now on iRacing with, of course, the choices of five GT4 cars at the Hallowed Grounds in Belgium at the Circuit de Spa Francochamps. Make sure to go get your opportunities. The competition ends on May 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern or at your respected times in your selected time zone. So make sure to keep an eye on that as well. Make sure you register. Go to the Northern European Esports Masters website by clicking on the website or on the time attack for more information. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we will sit down with our guest of the week, Kenny Brady, here on The Download. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. 
There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport podcast studio powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burr is here along with Justin Prince and Brian Britt. Our producer is Richard Colbreth as we are joined by our guest of the week, Ian Ascar, qualifying Road to Pro Series driver and, of course, driver from Tranquility Esports, Kenny Brady. Kenny, welcome to the download. Hello, hello. Well, Kenny, first and foremost, we got to talk about your season so far in the qualifying series. A lot of things going on in this championship. Currently, you sit fifth overall in the standings with two top fives for you. Very comfortable inside the top 70 to move on to round two. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a pretty easy season, I guess. Um, I've just kind of uh, tried to be as consistent as possible uh, throughout every race. Obviously, I want to go up and win one of them one of these days, but uh, that's, you know, not the goal every week. The goal is just to get, you know, consistent top 15s, and I've been able to do that. So it's uh, been pretty good so far. With that, though, I mean, we are looking overall at your standings. Your finishes, of course, are pretty strong. Top 10 finishes, even though you're mid to back to the field and qualifying. What's your strategy going into each of these events, knowing that these qualifying series can be a flip side? One race, you can have a really strong run. The next one, you could be caught up in some sort of chaos that may happen at these tracks. Um, I, I feel like something that a lot of people know about me is I'm just super aggressive and I tend to just be as aggressive as possible early in those races. Um, whether I qualify in the top five or 30th, I just know that positions are what are going to matter. And, you know, in a certain point in, in the run throughout those races, everyone's going to be even with tire wear and stuff. So I, I guess if I could say my strategy is to just pass as many people as possible early and, and pick up as many positions because once you get past that that first pit stop at halfway usually with how short the races are nowadays um you're going to be pretty even with everyone so just being aggressive and and uh not you know i, I never been the type of person to just sit in line and and follow i just i need to get positions so well, with that, we look ahead to the rest of the championship. Of course, the next race is at Charlotte, and that is the last race before we cut off at the round of 70 or round two of the champ of this qualifying series. You know, pretty much it's just try to stay up towards where you're at, finish where you're at, and you're pretty much locked in to the next round. And as we go into this race, what is your mentality? Are you now more focused on getting ready for round two? Or it's still be like, try to go in here, try to get that win, try to get this good finish, maybe even progress yourself further and give you a better cushion going into the round two. Yeah, I mean, for Charlotte, Charlotte's my favorite track, so, and it's my best track um, on, on the sim. Truck and Charlotte is like my best combo. So uh, as much as I, because I, I love the track so much, I don't, I'm not haven't really been like testing super hard for the race. Um, I've just been doing maybe a run or two every day, uh, just to keep myself updated on how the setup feels and whatnot. Um, I'd love to go there and win. That's a race that I've had circled since the off season to win because, like I said, it's my best track. And 
last year I started, I think 22nd and the race went green and I ended up fourth. So, uh, we were super fast last year. I felt like if I would have started up front, I would have won. So, and last year we had some pretty good competition. So I'm just hoping, hoping we can come out with a win. That's, that's the goal. So far as well, to touch upon that, you mentioned in terms of the upcoming schedule side of things. Round two, though, is the intriguing part in all of this case, too. Because, of course, round one this year has been mostly on the ovals. In fact, all ovals. But it's also a test of dirt, road, all of that. You've been through the gauntlet a couple times. So now it becomes the question, you mentioned some of that preparation being close in the past years. What makes this year different, in your opinion, though, when it comes to the 2023 field that you have to battle, but also some of the dynamics the Sim has had in terms of its twist as of late. Um, I would say, so the schedule for this year is kind of, kind of the same as last year's round two schedule minus like one track or, or two tracks. We go to, they added Milwaukee and Homestead. Um, but besides that, I feel like I just, I have the same approach as, as last year. Um, and that's just, just going every week and, and run consistent. Uh, I, I feel pretty solid at every track on the schedule. Um, Mid-Ohio, I finished in the top five. Bristol Dirt, I finished in the top five. Uh, so when it comes to, I guess, the dynamics of each track and the difference, um, I definitely feel like I'll be capable of winning at, you know, whether it's a road course or a dirt track or, you know, Lucas Oil is a short track. Uh, Milwaukee miles different, but, you know, last year, Lucas oil was different to everybody. And, you know, I felt like we, uh, as a team and myself as a driver, we, you know, succeeded. So, um, I just, I like that we have different racetracks, um, every other week, uh, cause it just, you know, it makes the, the series more interesting and, uh, it definitely shows the talent. Now, one thing course have to touch upon is the past when it comes to you of course there's been a lot of talk about that so this year has been a more on the quiet side so the simple question comes down to knowing what you've done in the past how have you learned from those mistakes and have tried to prevent making mistakes like that this past year to keep out of the trouble like that yeah, uh, I feel like the off season was long, and I had a lot, a lot of time to think. Um, obviously, not being accepted in a contender was a big heartbreak for me, and and then uh, all the stuff that followed um, was was pretty rough. So I feel like um, I've just learned to just think before I say and, and be more mature with. Uh, I guess my actions, like I, I wrecked out of Atlanta earlier this round and had a rough race this past week at Darlington and I didn't go and, you know, uh, trash anybody, go on Twitter and say something, uh, inappropriate or immature. Cause it's just, it, it's not really worth it. Um, as you can tell from, from what happened last year, um, that, you know, I tell a lot of close friends this, that if I could go back and change it, I wouldn't, because if I didn't get kicked out of the series, I don't think I would have ever changed. So I, you know, 100% uh, agree with what they did. I'm glad that they did it because I was kind of off the rails and, you know, I had to learn 
you know, with a big decision. So um, as opposed to this year, I'm just doing my thing, uh, keeping quiet, <laughs> obviously, just racing every week. Um, and like when you asked me about round two, I, honestly, like I haven't even thought of just round two in general. I want to get accepted in first and then I'll think about those those races. So. I will say this, though, in terms of some of the fellow drivers you have in that camp this year, and that's the thing about it's happened in the past year, too. It's also let you being the owner, which runs Tranquility Esports, I should say. Amongst those, Andrew Navarro, one of the top prospects from a couple years ago, now one of the top drivers in the entire RTP ladder. You have Spencer Burns all of a sudden being in the top 25, and you have Jake Matheson a part of the camp. First of all, Managing the team side, that, of course, seen a major step up. How is that like trying to manage an organization like that where it's not as simple as just the drivers, but you have drivers with three different groups of, of partnerships with setup shops alone? Yeah, so uh, uh, with the setup shops, we kind of just uh, do our own thing. Um, Andrew's been partnered with Premier Racing Setups for a couple of years now, so... He's already, you know, he has his routine every week. Um, I partnered with Team Watson Racing Setups through the winter, and I have my own routine every week. Um, we kind of just give each other space. Andrew builds his own setup. I build my own setup. Um, and that's just kind of how we do things with, with that topic. Um, with me and, and running the team, I feel like I've always been good at, at being organized and being a good, I would say, leader when it comes to how do I put this? I, I don't want to say a good leader because I know I, I've done some things in the past that doesn't, uh, you know, scream leader. But uh, I definitely feel like uh, as of lately, I've been able to manage the team correctly, whether it's through social media, sponsors wanting to come on board, drivers. Um, and then with Tranquility, we just we keep it very small and very uh, uh, tight knit. There's only about 12 of us on the team. And we've never exceeded 13. So that's a big thing that a lot of people don't know. We're a super small group and we just kind of do our own thing. We all, you know, we're all like brothers on there. So uh, it's it's a pretty easy, uh, pretty easy uh, group. Yeah. So just to understand, you're talking about the setup side in terms of setup shops, the differences in terms of coming together for the races and under the tranquility banner. Do you guys coordinate on the setups? I know it's different to set up the shop or place to place. That's why I ask. Uh, yeah, yeah. So basically when it comes to like, I would say uh, road to pro setups, I let Andrew do that. Andrew's a lot more experienced with setup building than I am. I'm still kind of on the learning side. So when it comes to what we put out every week, I, I just kind of give it my best. Um, and then, you know, like I said, Andrew has his own routine. Uh, when it comes to Road to Pro, Andrew has a setup built for everyone to run. Um, I'm more of like a tester when it comes to the Road to Pro stuff. So me, Spencer, Jake will will just give Andrew feedback. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I can understand what you're saying. Andrew is the main builder for our team. Mm. Um, he kind of builds everything. He's the mastermind behind all the good runs. So a uh, big shout out to him because we would, we would not be a team without him. He, he's definitely uh, a smart person and, and uh, carries the team, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Navarro in particular had the chance to work with him for a month, month 
in the teams he had prior to where he was with, with you guys, actually. And he was, a by the end of the year, one of the top prospects. A big change from April to December just a couple of years ago, and now is top five in the series. So now, knowing you have up to three, at least potentially up to four drivers there. So in terms of that focus now, like you mentioned in terms of the next round or next race, just trying to finish it out. But it's not quite as simple for one of your fellow team drivers. And Matheson, he's on the cut line heading into Charlotte in about a week and a half time. Matheson, a former pro, mind you. So how is that now going to in turn be like to be able to try and see what you can do with him? He's 18 points back for reference coming into the week. Yeah, obviously, Jake, you know, he was uh, a part of the Coke series uh, two years ago. He's a very uh, experienced driver. Um, and even entering, you know, he is in great spirits. He's not stressed at all. Um, he knows what he has to do. We know what we have to provide. Um, we have a very, very good base uh, setup wise from last year. So we feel pretty confident that uh, he can go out there and get a top five. Um as you know, uh, Justin, it's all about qualifying in these races. So we're just going to work super hard on qualifying and get him up there uh, as opposed to in the race. I mean, if, if Jake's around me, obviously around me or Andrew, will cut him a little bit of slack because we know that he needs the points and me and Andrew are kind of just out there doing our thing. Um, obviously, Spencer Burns is in a lower split, so he won't be in the top split race with us. But yeah, uh, Jake's you know, Jake's pretty confident. We're confident that we have a, a good piece and uh, I don't think there should be any issues. I think he'll get in. Well, Kenny, as we come to a close on this interview and we look ahead to the rest of the year, is there anything else exciting going on for you? I know outside you do a little bit of real world racing when it comes to legend cars and other forms of racing. What can we expect to see you doing for the rest of this year? Yeah, so later this year, I might uh, run some Legend Car races. I'm not too sure. I actually um, am going to move. I'm moving to uh, Concord, North Carolina this summer. I'm trying to, uh, I guess, get into the field in NASCAR and work, whether it's for a race team or just a, another source. So that's, that's honestly a, a big thing for me here in the coming months. Um, I'm going to be moving like right before round two of Road to Pro. So I'm going to be pretty, pretty busy with a lot of stuff. Um, but besides trying to race later this year and moving, just trying to focus on die racing stuff, uh, focus on myself and uh, try and, uh, you know, see where we'll go from here. Just just hoping we can uh, have a good race next week at Charlotte and then uh we can have a positive uh, approval process in round two, and then we'll go for round two and hopefully make the pro series and uh, be able to race. Oh, where can people follow you, Kenny, to learn more about you and keep up with your career throughout the year, whether it be virtual or real world? Yeah, so I'm I'm super active on uh, my Twitter at uh, Kenny Brady fifty four. Um, I would say that's about the only place where I, I post about my sim racing stuff. So uh, besides that, I would say uh, nowhere else. Uh, see me on the Road to Pro broadcasts. Well, that is Kenny Brady, who is the driver for Tranquility Esports, sits fifth in the standings for the Road to Pro qualifying series. 
We look forward to seeing him compete at Charlotte next week. Coming up, we cover more news of the week in the world of iRacing. You're listening to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the iRacers Download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince, Brian Britt, and Richard Colbreth, as we're covering some more news from the week in the world of iRacing. And it was a little bit of throwback racing in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series as they had their chance to dance with the Lady in Black and defending serious champion wearing the colors of the champion casey kerwin in the tony stewart colors was able to take home the checkered flag in a very amazing style as in the early stages of the race justin he was practically wrecked but was able to fight his way back up to the top and lightning mcqueen steals another one Kachow! what can you say when it comes to that 100 total starts pick it up a w in the process as a result the time self with both Michael Connie and Bobby Selensky in the win tally. The interesting thing about that race, you had Nick Oninger also lead laps. You had Matt Busa lead some laps at one point. You had Malik Ray at one point leading laps and fighting hard to keep himself in the lead lap, mind you, at one point during the pit cycles. It was a race where he had multiple different leaders in just the nature of that race at Darlington. Drivers knew how difficult it was to pass and how critical it was not only to get track position, but then keep it. And it played out that way because you had Curling get the track position after early troubles and some strategy to get up front still picks up the W. Nick Oninger, top 10 starting spot, not a surprise, second spot. Then you have Michael Conti in third. Graham Bowen, the pole sitter, still in the top five all day. We led a couple laps. Malik Ray, though, the big surprise of the day, a top five run, 17 laps led. Talked about some of the strategy plays that he had to have just to get that spot. But in turn... Talked to his team owners, also talked on social media after the race about trying to keep him focused on the race and themselves and getting himself a rare top five on a mile and a half or around that type of a racetrack when we normally see Malik Ray towards that point, usually on speedways in the past. It really was great to see Malik have a great run indeed, and it's a great strategy call for him to be able to come out on top with a good finish. He has still quite a bit of ways, but with that run that he was able to pull off, though, that gives him a little bit more cushion in the championship for him to where he doesn't have to worry about coming back to race for, you know, in the contender series later on in the year. He's currently sitting seventh in the standings. This is a career season for Malik Ray. This is like a completely different Malik Ray, I'll be quite frank, because before you'd see him run well in some races, then end up losing the end, and he ends up being very silent about that afterwards, but then we usually see him in the 30s in the points. This season, he's found a lot of speed, but not just that, but also is just has the better mentality, and that's part of it. It's a mental game, too, where if you end up not being able to think straight, or end up making mistakes because you're pressing, you're in the wall a lot of times, or can't. you're stuck in the 20s because you push too hard. This season's different. It certainly is. Of course, with it being throwback week in the real world, it was also throwback week during the eNASCAR event. Several drivers were showcasing some brand new paint schemes, and 
I have to say there was at least three of them that I have to give a big shout out to. One of them, of course, has to go to Colin Bowden throwing it back to Jeff Burton in the 90s. Uh, Michael Conti throwing it back for himself a little bit in his early careers in the iRacing days with his number eight machine. And then finally, you can't go wrong with Williams with their throwback to the Williams Formula One car back in the late 90s. You know what my favorite, though, was Tucker Minter in the 33. Team Dylan Esports, that throwback over to the Skull Bandit machine. I absolutely love that race car. I think that, honestly, we should see more often. It's better than their actual paint scheme. No offense to them. It certainly is. It was a really good one. I mean, we saw throwbacks to Kyle Busch for the Joe Gibbs team with the 54 and the 18. We saw a throw, couple of throwbacks to Kyle Busch. As a matter of fact, Malik Ray throwing it back to Kyle Busch as well. Tony Kanaan having his throwback paint scheme from his early IndyCar days for the TK Esports team. And then several other drivers showcasing some amazing paint scheme. I will have to say, though, a big miss for the Charlotte Phoenix team with the 48 and the 43. You know, of course, with Legacy Motor Club going to Toyota next year, those two numbers definitely could have had a chance to showcase some throwbacks to the King, as well as also to Jimmy Johnson with those two numbers. Yeah, I could say that, absolutely. There were some teams I did notice that didn't really take part in the throwback or try to stay as close as possible to the original branding. But again, that's just part of that side of things as well. I also was impressed, though, with the Junior Motorsports throwback, uh, in particular the 88 machine, near one-to-one for Kevin King's throwback to Dale Jr. It was amazing to see that paint scheme back. And uh, Brian, what were your thoughts? Who were some of the paint schemes when you are from that event that you saw or through social media that were ones that really strike the big string in the throwback? Well, yeah, definitely those uh, Dale Jr. ones, you know, that definitely uh, looks really awesome to, to see that. And that's what I love about throwbacks. You know, uh, you know, you get to really take a trip down memory lane uh, in that time machine. And, you know, I, I kind of respect those guys. I guess they did not take that opportunity to throw back. I guess they expect, uh, you know, the race means more, you know, to get that actual performance. But still, I mean, the old school NASCAR fans that, that watch some of these Coke races, I think that just, you know, I think it tickles their hearts a little bit. So, I mean, you know, I definitely enjoy seeing that. And uh, I wish I had the chance to actually run an iRacing as well with a throwback paint scheme, but uh, I don't really race as much as I used to. I used to have a throwback paint scheme that I used to run quite a bit when I first started on iRacing. Not anymore. I have to kind of update that. But I will say, you know, it's it's fun to see that. And we saw that a lot also in the Road to Pro qualifying series when they raced Darlington as well, Justin, with some drivers throwing it back to drivers such as Jeff Burton, several other drivers throughout the history of NASCAR, and even some of them throwing it back to when their actual paint schemes that they run in the real world. My favorite from the real world, interesting enough, was actually Ryan Newman's because that was a surprise, first of all, to see him return to Rick Ware Race in a Rick Ware Racing car, rather, but then the throwback was pretty on point. I like the paint scheme up what Ryan Newman went for out of a lot of those this past weekend for the real world. I wasn't really impressed with some of the other schemes outside of, well, Harrison Burdens as well as, really, that's it. There was a lot of paint schemes, both in the real world and in the virtual world, throwing it back to Jeff Burton, I have to say, in those 90s, early 2000s when he ran the number 99 for Roush. But one thing, though, Justin, we have to talk about, and it started several years ago with Dale Earnhardt Jr. talking to the Smith family in order to try and get a famous track 
North Wilkesboro scanned on iRacing. And, of course, over this past week alone, we've had two big late model events. And now we're getting ready to see the NASCAR Truck Series and the NASCAR Cup Series take to the hallowed grounds of North Wilkesboro this weekend. I have to say, from a opportunity to be able to just get it scanned for fans to enjoy in the virtual world for years to come to now see it being brought back to life to be able to race full-time once again for short track racing for late model racing modifies we could possibly see in the future and now for the top premier series in nascar this is something that's going to be exciting to see come this weekend i talked about the timeline because it helped that NBC Sports for the NASCAR site posted the timeline right around the town last night when it came to Thunderclap, or rather on Wednesday night. In regards to that, it's incredible how things have gone that fast. Not just in the matter of Dale Jr. saying, you know what, let's clean up the track, preserve history, get this track scanned. That was the first stage. But then getting the funding they did, getting everything turned around to get racing back starting last summer. It's come so quickly. And then there's that added motivation of trying to find that location for a new All-Star race and going back to the roots. It's incredible how this all started from just Dale Jr. wanting the track preserved on iRacing and having that conversation that leads to things and, and getting the thought of, if we're cleaning this up, why not see what we can do to bring it back? It's yeah, it certain. really is crazy. Sorry, Taylor. It really is crazy to see that. I mean, he went out there with just some buddies and, and started weed eating and just cleaning up the track so they could scan it. I mean, it's really great that Dale Jeter has such a following and, and uh, the people that listen to him. You know, it, it really is it is really incredible to see that he's able to almost move mountains like that just because of uh, the image that he has. And uh, it, it almost makes you think that what other tracks could be brought back to life like that. Well, we're seeing, we've already seen that happen through multiple tracks. I mean, if you think about it, just on iRacing before North Wilkesboro, we have USA International, a track that's no longer in existence, Concord, no longer in existence, Oran Raceway Park in Australia, uh, and one of the new tracks coming to iRacing in New Zealand, that's getting ready to be torn down and shut down. That's being saved and added onto the iRacing platform. So it's a mix of other amazing opportunities that we could see with iRacing that has helped preserving racetracks. And another one to think of, Auto Club Speedway. That track getting ready to be torn down to be turned into a short track here in the near future. Yeah, I have to interject right quick. One track that actually is really close to my heart that is no longer in existence as well as Myrtle Beach. I That broke my heart when they tore that track down, and uh, luckily it is preserved in iRacing. One that I do want to keep an eye on, that might be in the prospect of, at the very least, being scanned in a similar way to North Wilkesboro. Technically, the, the pavement for Nazareth still exists. The actual paved area and fenced off. Now getting things scanned there is a different story since there's no more grandstands around there. It's all chain-link fence guarded. You have trees grown for the pit stand. And pits used to be in that. That might be the closest that we have in terms of tracks that might also be in that idea of scanning them and being able to preserve them in the history books. Bring them back in the way of North Wilkesboro, that it may be a one-time thing. It's a miracle. I, it, is, it was a one-in-a-million chance opportunity, a miracle, as Brian said. And as we come to a close here for final news of the week, the iRacing Off-Road Championship 
is returning and currently right now for those who want to try to qualify you have till the end of the 2023 season two championship to try and punch your way in to have a shot of the iRacing off-road championship it will kick off sometime around june as the schedule is currently has been released june 28th starting at the crandon international raceway also, we've seen some reports on Twitter that the Dallara iRacing Open Wheel Championship will be returning to iRacing for 2023 as well. Found that intriguing to see that return, especially with a lot of the action from 2021 having some difficulty making through the past. past. But there have been, however, a lot of changes to that car since then that I think Taylor makes it realistic to bring it back because... They've made a lot of uh, updates to the oval side in particular to that race car, as well as some of those aerodynamics that I find might open more opportunities for a legit championship in terms of that regard, in terms of that car without having to battle with, say, a one manufacturer field. It, it certainly is, because a lot of people are probably wondering, why not use the brand new Mercedes? Well, technically, because that car is part of a special championship that's already has its own virtual world championship and certain other people are like well why can't we use a certain usa formula car well because unfortunately until we know more which there is talk of some things possibly brewing by a certain date later in the year about their relationship with a certain company you know we have other opportunities to be utilizing them for it so until then with how this delara ir01 is now versatile in both road and oval racing we could see it being now the brand new World Championship Open Wheel Series for iRacing for the time being. Yeah, at the very least. Or could lead to two different championships. Who knows? But the thing is, I still am curious how it's going to race compared to 2021 because it did see a lot of a dip. The thing that I think that's really encouraging to see, though, is I think about series like even on the American side, like FDF in terms of what they've done with their own FDF1 series, where they've basically said, okay, we can't use the open wheel car for top American division. Let's use it, use the dollar IRL one because you can, because it's, they've been upgrading a ton to race on ovals for this reason. Like yes. I said, you can basically, if you wanted to run some oval races with it. Well, look at the majors. They used that car to run a quote-unquote Speedway 500 at the virtual Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So it, it can be possible, and that car is amazing to race around that circuit. Exactly, and the, that's how much P, I think they realized the opportunity was there to say, we've got a car we could use. Why aren't we using it? And I think that's a big part of all this, and it's important to note if they end up indeed going back that road fully, but the in terms of rather with the word championship in of itself, it's important to think how many drivers are going to compete. Having the numbers is so critical. And it's the question mark. Will there be enough talent coming back, first of all, amongst those? Second, who is amongst the new crop of drivers looking to see what they can do in that car? Because it can put you on the map if you do well in it. After all, especially knowing some of the roots with that series, why not try and see if you can run well in that series in Formula Action? Well, I know one driver who probably will return, and that's the 
former and defending champion Martin Van Lusenort, I have to say, will be one of those drivers we have to see who will make his return to defend his title, I have to say, when that championship rolls back around. Yeah, Van Lusenort is coming to mind, for example. Yes, there are a lot of other competitors from some of the top teams. I think it's also going to be important to have the backing that you need to have that rank downforce level to make sure you have to speed in the quality in general. So there's a lot of ways it can go in terms of the World Championship. I'm very curious who makes it there and who breaks through in those races with how competitive it was. It was it was competitive in the matter of not in terms of back and forth, battling back and forth, back and forth. I mean, just being in the top echelon was difficult in that series. It certainly was, and we look forward with anticipation to when that championship returns. Well, Justin, it is time that we come to a close for our special guest, Kenny Brady, joining us here for Brian Britt, for our producer, Richard Colbreth. I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass. <laughs>